Welcome to your Relationship Lovecast by True Potential, the weekly web show and podcast that explores relationships and wellness, featuring in-depth interviews with acclaimed authors, wellness experts, health influencers, and spiritual leaders so that you can create a relationship and life you love. And now your host, Andrea Carella. Welcome back to your Relationship Lovecast. Today on episode 25, we are going to be talking about how to incorporate mindfulness into your relationship and the five words that doom your relationship from the start. Now, we in relationships can get caught up in reactive or avoidance cycles with our partner. She complains, he withdraws, he criticizes, and she ignores. We go round and round mindlessly if we don't have the tools to bring ourselves back to the present moment non-judgmentally. Knowing how to stay in the present moment, connect with your emotions beyond the anger, and engage with your partner in a healthy, productive way is one of the keys to conflict resolution and creating a harmonious balance in your partnership. Today, I've invited Aura Nadrich to share with us some of her tools on how to challenge thought patterns and be empowered to change the way you think forever. We will be covering mindfulness, thought regulation, and the five words that doom your relationship from the start. Aura has a background in cognitive behavioral therapy, technology of change, cabal, and Buddhism, and has worked with various yogi practitioners and is engaged with His Holiness himself, the Dalai Lama. Aura is also a mindfulness meditation teacher and writes for the Huffington Post Healthy Living section on mindfulness. She's also appeared a lot in their live segment as a mindfulness expert. Her book, Says Who?, How One Simple Question Can Change the Way You Think Forever will be released January 19th, 2016. Her book explores the reality that many of the hardships we face are the result of our own negativity or the critical comments of someone else holding us back. Or as simple and incredibly effective methods of asking, says who, and challenging negative thoughts or outlooks will lead to a complete transformation. Thank you so much, Aura, for being on today's show. We're so happy to have you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. I'm curious, what inspired you to be a mindfulness teacher and life coach? And then also, what inspired you to write this book? Well, there's a lot of inspirations there. Pretty much, I would say that I have always considered myself someone who likes to help people. And that's something that I've been doing for quite some time before I hung that shingle out as a certified life coach. My inspiration really was that I wanted to connect with people to help them basically know that they have the power within them to create and manifest the life that they want. And I was an actress and a screenwriter for years. And I, through my own learning process and my own psycho-spiritual journey, I came upon a lot of things that helped me. So when it came time for me to make the decision that I wanted to be a certified life coach and also mindfulness meditation teacher, because I had been a transcendental meditation meditator for quite some time, I wanted to combine those things because mindfulness really can be plugged into so many things in our lives. I basically brought all those elements together for a very effective method that I created, the Says Who Method. And all of that really inspired me to write the book and become the life coach that I am today and also the mindfulness meditation teacher. Mm, Wonderful. And with this book, what are some of the main things that led you to write it? 
again, my journey was such that there were certain stumbling blocks that I came upon that were difficult for me. And I didn't have the tools set, the tools or the skill set at the time to know how to address them. I'd always been a seeker and I was always trying to better myself, to learn, to grow, to evolve. So I was very committed to that. But at the time for me, there were certain things that I did not have accessible to me. And it was difficult when I decided to sit down and write this book, which really the, the genesis of the book is that I was coaching my clients and I would see this pattern. I would see a thought process pattern that they had. And it was very identifiable for me and also very familiar for me. And basically it was set in the, the belief systems that we have that are connected to the thoughts that we hold in our minds. And I was having a session with a particular client and she was really having difficulty. She was of two minds is really how I describe it in my book. And she was in this proactive sort of mode of creating a new career, but yet she had a lot of negative thoughts that were undermining and, you know, if not addressed, actually going to sabotage her goals and her desires. And when I was in the session with her, I, this question popped into my mind, says who? Where is she getting these thoughts? I mean, they don't even sound like that's really her original thought. I, I sensed that that was something that she was holding that didn't even originally start with her. Hence, that's how the says who idea came forward in my mind. And I was coaching my clients and I, I started to embark on writing this book. So it all kind of happened very synergistically, if you will, in that I knew that I was onto something. I knew that this method, this questioning method that I had come up with was so usable for my clients and I started to use it on them to, and saw such amazing results with them and I knew that I wanted to reach a much wider audience and get it out into the world because it works. Great. Now, is it just that one question uh, says who that stops negativity and fear-based thoughts or are there other uh, questions that you can recommend? Questions. There are seven questions. They're basically, I distilled, you know, I brought it to seven very lucid, very laser sharp questions that I felt were the most essential questions to ask yourself when you feel taken over by a negative or fear-based thought. Says who is the first jumpstart question. That is really asking yourself, says who? Who is saying this thought in my mind? Do you know? And then from there, there are six questions that follow. Could you share maybe one or two of those, the follow-up questions? I'm sure. I'm not going to give away the secret sauce in its, in its entirety. Sure. That's why. Just a couple. Yeah, absolutely. But says who, really, if you just start with that and, and, and you, you, you know, basically get into the habit of, you know, a negative thought comes up and you can, you can ask yourself, says who? You know, I mean, just even that alone is very much challenging a thought. Who is saying this thought? You have to really take responsibility that it is either you that is saying this thought in your mind, because they are our thoughts. They are in our mind. You know, people pretty much sometimes separate themselves from this thinking process that is created by us. You know, we're the ones that have like up to 70,000 thoughts, you know, going in and out of our minds daily. Starting with says who, it's basically identifying who is saying this thought in, in my mind. 
it's either your thought, your original thought. The second question is, is this your original thought? By doing this inquiry, by doing this investigation into your thought process, just off the top, you're able to recognize that, hey, you know what, maybe this thought that I am walking around with that is burdensome for me and causes me distress didn't even originate with me. I've taken it on from someone else and taken it on as my own thought, which it in fact is not. So that's very valuable to be able to discern whether the, a thought that you're walking around with that is negative, did it in fact originate with you? And that's quite an aha moment for a lot of people. You know, what I have recognized with my with my clients is that they've, you know, many of them have walked around with this thought that has persisted with them for so long and is really the basis of their fear, their anxiety, and that that's something they took on that maybe they heard their parent, a parent say while they were growing up. Right. And so often it, there's that modeling of, of our parents, their beliefs with money or their own yeah. fears or their own preoccupations. And that modeling becomes habitual for Absolutely. a child automatically that really doesn't reflect on, is this me or is this something I learned? That's right. But those are questions most people don't ask themselves. And when I say, what was, when you asked me, what was the inspiration for Says Who? I didn't know to question my thoughts years ago, that wasn't even something that I thought, if you will, to do. And the whole notion of questioning our thoughts is something that I have seen with people is very new to them, that concept of, wow, I never thought to question my thought before. Like right. that's even something that has come up for me. The power behind says who, that it's, it's a questioning method. It's a method to challenge and question those thoughts and to recognize that, yes, you do need to question those thoughts to find out if they're real or not, or they belong and originated to you, or you took someone else's negative thought and, and believe it to be true. Sure. Yeah. Do you know now, the impact that it has had on you for so many years? Sure. Now, what are the five words that can possibly end a romantic relationship? What are those words that we can engage with in our relationships that could be detrimental? Five words, really. I mean, I'd say there are many words, do you know? I, I mean, I can tell you some of the words off the top that I think are, can be detrimental. And that is, you know, obviously we know the shoulds, you should, you must, you have to. I mean, there's a lot of things that we present to each other in a relationship that are very accusatory. They're very negative. And so for me, this is where mindfulness comes in. And that is the way we need to communicate with one another in a more mindful way that isn't accusatory, that isn't pointing a finger, you, 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 without it being it's an us and that we have an open an opening for a type of mindful communication that we can understand and respect each other's feelings and each other's points of view. So I, I can't say that I would reduce it to just five specific words. I mean, yes, what comes up immediately is the musts and the shoulds. Do you know that? The always and the never. <laughs> the always and the never and I hate and you, you always, you know, again, it's taking that position where you're accusing somebody. And when you go into that type of communication, it, what does that do? It puts somebody on the defensive. It makes them feel attacked. You know, mm -hmm. it makes, it's very accusatory. So I, 
I really encourage a mindful dialogue, a way to be able to communicate that you can let your feelings be known and you can first and foremost try and stay in that love zone if you can. But this goes into the whole area of my book of being an observer and not a reactor, which is a whole chapter you know, that I, that I explain in my book about how we need to go into observation mode so that we're not reacting to a thought, whether it's a thought that we have with ourselves or a thought that we have about someone else, so that we can open that dialogue with thoughtfulness and mindfulness. And that's the way you can grow in your relationship. Yeah, I think being able to have that mindset of being in the love zone and that intention of the fact that you do love that person and you want to treat them with that love and, and cultivate that and being able to be mindful and intentional and present is is definitely key. Absolutely. And I also think that you know, we must remind ourselves what would feel good to us. How would we like to be talked to? How would we like somebody to connect with us? How would we like them to present something that's concerning them? What could our listeners do to shift their awareness within themselves with their partner in that moment? Do you have any other suggestions? I think one of the things that I would suggest is that, again, this goes into the, the being the observer as opposed to the reactor, because we know we get triggered. We all get triggered. We all have triggers, obviously. And by that, I mean, you know, something happens, someone says something to you, and you feel it viscerally. And your heart rate goes up. You can feel sweaty. You can feel like you're going to burst out crying. You can feel like you want to yell at them, you know, and that's natural. I'm not going to say we can, we, we can't always thwart that. We can't always put a cork in our feelings. But a lot of the times what I talk about and says who is that there is always a thought behind an emotion. There's always that, there's always that connection. And so if you're feeling that you are, you know, about to react to something, take a couple of breaths if you can. You know, again, this is the mindfulness. This, 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 these are the basics of even going into a meditation, which we can go into a whole thing about that. But if you feel that you're really taken over by a thought or you're feeling very emotional, take a breath, take a moment, go, wow. And when I'm really plugged in right now, I'm really hurt right now. I'm really angry right now. I'm really upset right now. When we go into the observer, we can almost just embrace it in a way that we're not going to have this knee jerk reaction where we're going to go into attack mode with somebody. And by taking even those couple of breaths, or you can do this silently with yourself, it's reconnecting, it's recalibrating, it's aligning yourself in a way so that you can be so present in your communication that you are in present time awareness. And again, this is what mindfulness is. And so all the things that we do and all our communication comes from that place. Do you know? Mm-hmm. And that takes practice. That sure. takes practice, Andrea. You know, these are these are the things that we need to do daily. These are the things that we need to improve on. And again, don't beat yourself up because that becomes counterproductive. You know, say, I want to be a better communicator. I want to be more mindful. What do I need to do to do that? Well, start with that. Start with being in the moment, taking a moment to... Take a breath if you need to, if you feel you're plugged in. And this starts to build that muscle. This starts to build the mindfulness muscle. It's definitely a discipline. And I think Marsha Linehan's work, 
She focuses a lot on mindfulness and distress tolerance and emotion regulation skills and thought regulation skills and a way of developing those interpersonal effectiveness skills. Because in order to be really effective interpersonal relationships, we have to be able to be mindful with ourselves. And I'd love you to share a little bit about how we can incorporate mindfulness and that conscious intimacy and connection and closeness in our romantic relationships, whether it be physical or emotional. Right. I've written some articles on about that, about love, mm. love, sex, and mindfulness. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, which has been very intriguing for people to combine love and sex and mindfulness. And mm. what does that really mean? And how do you, how do you really integrate that? And again, mindfulness should be your starting point that you go into everything with a sense of mindfulness, with being present, with being thoughtful, with being non-judgmental, with self-love, and therefore with self-love, you can love somebody else. In your intimate relationship, it's very easy to get swept up in whether it's literally your intimacy or your sexuality. But a lot of the difficulty sometimes, even in sexual relationships, is that People have have shared with me that they get swept up into a moment of intimacy and they don't feel connected. They're not feeling connected to themselves and they're not feeling connected to their partner. And so this is where, again, start with connecting to your own inner core, to what feels authentic and real for you, and that you can communicate that to your partner. You can communicate to your partner what you're feeling whether it is being inclined to be intimate or whether you're not feeling like you want to be intimate. And by not communicating that, again, mindfully, caringly, thoughtfully, respectfully, by not, you're kind of shutting yourself down and invariably somebody will feel that. They'll feel the disconnect. What I encourage in intimacy is to, even if you're about to engage in your intimacy or your sexuality with your partner, Connect. Connect to yourself first and foremost. And by doing that, you can really bring that, again, present time awareness to your partner. You know, when we're mindful, when we are in the present, our senses are more alive. Do you know? Mm. We are feeling, we're smelling, we're tasting, we're touching. We are so much more alert. And if you're really in an act of intimacy, you want to be as alert as you possibly can. And one of the things also is to put your gadgets away, not to be distracted. You know, when you're in the bedroom, be there 100% or else don't be there. And if you're not there 100%, tell that to your partner. Have the mindful communication to be able to say, hey, you know what? I feel really distracted with our intimacy. Sometimes that can affect our intimacy. We are not as present with our intimate acts and our sexual interactions, that you're not there 100%. And for those that have experienced that with a partner who's really not there there, do you know? Mm. And so that can bring up all sorts of things. That can bring up insecurity, you know, from the person that's feeling not present and from the person that's being there with the intimacy with you. This is what our goals are. Our goals are to become more mindful so that everything we do and all of our communications and all our interactions are that we are present with one another. I know that so often when we're very stressed, we're preoccupied, we're busy, we're wound up from the day, that really being intentional to unwind, to re-engage, to reconnect, to slow down, to decompress 
helps that process along so that you're basically not living from your neck up, but you actually are being able to integrate from your neck down and connect with your heart and your body and and especially in the bedroom because if your mind is wandering off somewhere else on what you're doing in the future or what happened earlier that day, you can't really be present with your partner. Right. But I really do encourage for us to be able to communicate that and not to be afraid to communicate our distracted mind to us, you know, to somebody. I just was uh, interviewed recently and I said, we're more busy today than we've ever been before. You know, we have more gadgets. We're running from pillar to post. There's a lot of stress going on. And as a mindfulness meditation teacher, I mean, I have clients who will say to me, I, I am uncomfortable even meditating. I sometimes want to take the word meditation out of the equation and I want to encourage people. I say, spend five, 10 minutes if you can, just to get still, to get quiet, to take those couple of breaths before you're going into the bedroom, to take those couple of breaths when you're at work and you're, you're going to take your lunch break or you go to the bathroom. This ability to connect with ourselves, to connect with our inner core, to connect with quieting the mind. The more you do it daily, you know, when people say to me, oh, I don't have time to meditate. I said, you know what? You have, you have five or 10 minutes just to breathe quietly and still your mind. I wrote a blog for the Huffington Post called your morning cup of tea or coffee can be your meditation. We do that daily. We have a cup of tea or coffee. Obviously we go to our local coffee shops, but and we're so hurried. Again, Take the time to sit and drink your tea or coffee or water quietly. Be present with what you're doing. And the more we are in present time awareness, the more we're going to feel when we're not in present time awareness. And that takes practice. I recently wrote an article in the Huffington Post about how our addiction to technology is ruining our lives and our relationship. Being able to create certain patterns and rituals that when you start your day, it's not like your your phone is your alarm clock because then that makes you just automatically start looking at your email first thing where you haven't even just gotten out of bed yet. Some of those patterns that start our day mindlessly. (laughs) Now, I know a lot of, for those people on the call that are very kinesthetic, very active people, I I know that sometimes for them incorporating more movement mindfulness, whether it be cleaning the house mindfully, washing the dishes mindfully, walking mindfully. For those people that have difficulty sitting still that are kinesthetic, those are some ways that they can actually incorporate mindfulness more Absolutely. actively Absolutely. that can release that energy in a in a mindful way. Oh, yeah. You know, there's that great Zen saying, chop wood, carry water. You keep doing the same thing over and over again, and it, it becomes the meditation. You can turn, as I said, I mean, I was on Huffington Post Live recently, and I said to the interviewer, he's like, well, do you, are you saying that I can turn, you know, what, my workout into a meditation? I said, absolutely, if you're present with it. Sure. Now, I don't want to confuse people. Like, that isn't necessarily a meditation in the traditional way. Yes, sitting quietly is optimum Finding a quiet space to meditate is great. But if you are, as you said, a very active person, be present with what you're doing. You know, go into something that is physically active and really be present with it. 
washing dishes, vacuuming, washing your car. You know, again, that goes into focus meditation, you know, insight meditation. You know, imagine washing your car and imagine taking each part of that and really focusing on it. Okay, I'm really going to focus on shining my mags. I'm really going to focus on cleaning the interior. You know, what does the leather smell like? What does this look like? That's such a great exercise. I mean, if you're into it, go for it. Try it. It's This stuff can be fun, by the way. It doesn't have to be so serious. With the mindfulness and with your book, Says Who, are there methods that you could suggest to our listeners to help us apply in our own lives to improve intimacy, passion, communication in their relationships and in our relationships? Yeah, I mean, as far as, again, using mindfulness, I think that if you set out and you make a concerted effort and a conscious effort to be present with your partner and really say to yourself, I'm going to show up for this and I'm going to be fully myself and I'm going to allow myself to be present in that experience, do you know, and that my intimacy is going to be that I'm going to be very connected to my sensuality, to what it is I desire. I'm going to mindfully communicate that to my partner. That could be a very sensual experience where you are actually being the mindful communicator and that you go into that act of intimacy really wanting to please and wanting to be pleased. And that if you are saying to your partner, I'm so present with you, I'm here for you, whether you want to verbalize it or you want to show it in acts of intimacy, through touch, however you want to do it, but go into anything that you're doing again, even in your intimacy, where you really make that decision to be as present as you possibly can. Remove the obstacles, remove the walls. Yes, it's maybe easy to say, oh, remove those inhibitions. But if you communicate to your partner mindfully that you want to try something, you want to express to them what you want and what you need, or they can share with you what they want and need, this becomes mindful lovemaking. This becomes mindful intimacy. Do you know? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of belief systems, whether, you know, connecting with your, the says who uh, thought process, I know that whether growing up in a very religious family or uh, certain patterns or beliefs around sex and sexuality, taboo, so on, all those things can also interfere in somebody's mental process, it perhaps being a trauma survivor or having experiences, negative physical experiences in past relationships, that all those mental conversations can also play out and how to be able to work through some of those pieces so that you actually can be present and intimate with your partner. Well, or- the says, yeah, the says who method can, will help with that because it will help identify whose thoughts and whose beliefs you're walking around with. And do you want to live your life dominated by thoughts and beliefs that don't belong to you? So that's a process unto itself. Great. Now, are there additional resources that you can offer our listeners? And where can our listeners find you if they wanted to get connected to you or buy your book? My my book is coming out. And by the way, it can be pre-ordered now on all your major book outlets, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's also on Kindle. You can start reading it today. 
Its nationwide release is January 19, 2016. Uh, you can connect with me. My website is auranadridge.com. You can send me an email at aura at aura life coach if you want to share or talk to me and reach out to me that way. All my social media, Aura Nadridge, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Ask Aura or a Life Coach. So I'd love to hear from from you know your listeners. Tell me what your ten minute experience was. I'd love to hear that. Great. Well, thank you so much, Aura, for coming on today's show. It was great to have you. I'm so happy to have been here, Andrea. Thank you so much. Great. So there you have it. I hope you found this podcast as interesting and as informative as I did. And to get access to the show notes and links mentioned on the show, please visit truepotentialcounseling.com. And if you like this podcast, if you could please leave a review in iTunes so that I can have more impact and reach more people. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you next time on Relationship Lovecast. Thanks for listening to Lovecast by True Potential at www.truepotentialcounseling.com.